Welcome to the HR Uprising podcast. This highly practical podcast series explores HR and management hot topics and challenges through conversations with relevant experts and real-life people professionals. Brought to you by Actors Software, our aim is to build a better workplace for people. The HR Uprising is about collaborating and supporting each other to build the confidence and skills to rise up to each challenge and deliver real, lasting business value. You can find out more at hruprising.com or join our LinkedIn community. Now introducing your host, chartered psychologist, best-selling author, entrepreneur and speaker, Lucinda Carney. Welcome to this week's HR Uprising podcast. I'm delighted that we've got a real HR episode today. And um, this lady's making me chuckle on Zoom, so you've got to stop laughing. Um, we've been chatting about how we explain ourselves. Um, and it's always interesting to get your mouth around how you explain what it is you do. So this particular lady, she is a virtual HR partner for SMEs. That hurts her brand. And um, she uh, her business is actually called People Pillar, but she has a dual role because she's also the head of HR for East Kent HR. Now, I'll let her tell you more about this. Um, her name is Julia Julia Crawford. And Julia, thank you so much for coming on to the HR Uprising podcast. Thank you very much for having me. We got there in the end, yeah? We, we did. <laughs> now, do you want to explain it more in your words? Tell us a little bit about what you do right now, and then we'll go back and take a little bit about your career journey and how you got to where you are now. Yep, sure. So at the moment, I've, I've currently got two roles. Um, as, as you said, I'm head of HR for a HR shared service called East Kent Human Resources, um, which is a shared service looking after three local authorities in Kent. Um, I've been doing that for far too many years now, but uh, been in this role for about the last three years. On top of that, just because I thought life wasn't busy enough, um, in July, I started my HR consultancy business called People Pillar, uh, working with small businesses on a whole range of HR needs. And is, is it any specific thing or is it more about the small business that you're doing? Well, in your Yeah, that's your more, focus. More about the small business. Yeah, definitely. Brilliant. So let's go back a few years. I know we both kind of often feel like we've been doing things forever. So how did you get into HR in the first place? Um, so I started, it probably was when I was at college, I was deciding what I wanted to do. I was working part time at Sainsbury's doing some, some um, doing then? I was doing training, a training role then. Um, and I did a, a law A level and then decided to want to go to university where I did business studies with psychology. So from my point of view, it's, you've got the business side, you've got the law and you've also got psychology, which makes a perfect fit for HR. Absolutely. It's interesting, the law thing, you said you didn't have a, a good enough memory, you said on your notes to me, I'm going to think, I thought, yeah, there's no way I can remember those facts. <laughs> yeah, completely. And then you've gone on to um, get various qualifications within HR, haven't you as well? Yeah, yeah. So I did my master's, uh, I think it was a couple of years ago, um, writing 18,000 words on why appraisals are rubbish, <laughs> and why you need to get rid of them. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and I also done my professional qualifications and uh, became a fellow of CIPD. I think it was about four years ago, something like that. Be interested to know what did you conclude people should do instead, Julia? If you did you master that with your appraisals, was that I take it that was your thesis, was it? Yes, yeah, yeah, it was. Um, absolutely, move away from annual appraisals, move to regular check-ins, more frequent career discussions, um, completely. Well, not necessarily scrapping the paperwork, but making it much more about the conversation rather than this bit of paper in the bottom drawer that you have to scrabble around with trying to find every year and 
it, it just makes it just makes the conversation a much more quality conversation yeah it's interesting because that's been I've been doing something on that this week with people because the practical although that's what we all agree we should be doing in practice making it about the conversation the challenge is how can we enable that as HR um mm. and and perhaps that's another conversation we'll stick with this because this is about you but I'd love to <laughs> chat to you about that another time no, um, make it real how do you actually make that a reality absolutely so um so you, you started out um and you, you talked about where you started out in your in your first role so how did you then progress or did you in terms of your your did you have a vision for where you wanted to go in HR or so I started so when I left university I went into uh, sort of my first proper role I'd say which was a HR admin role um in a busy manufacturing company um probably fair to say admin wasn't necessarily my strengths um and quickly realized that that wasn't necessarily what I wanted to be doing I always knew I wanted to progress in HR um, so I probably stayed in an admin role for about 18 months and then moved to Tesco's as a training manager. So taking responsibility for all of the development, inductions, um, a lot of it was compliance, um, if I'm honest. Moved on from Tesco's probably again after about 18 months. Um, I think for me, whilst, whilst they valued the, the HR role and, and training role, it was all about the customer, which absolutely for a business like that, you, you would expect it to be. Um, but yeah, I decided that I need, I wanted to work more in an environment that I knew I could actually have an impact. Um, so I then moved into a standalone HR, manage, uh, the HR manager position at a local regional airport. And this was pretty much to set up the HR function from scratch. They had, they had a, a, you know, they, they had a few employees and they wanted to grow the business um, quite quickly. It, it didn't. It didn't quite take off. Pardon the pardon the pun, but um, <laughs> as, as they hoped it would. Um, but it, lots of lots of valuable lessons to be learned from that role. So hold on a sec, then. So you talked about. So you went straight from university into an HR admin role. Yeah. yeah. And then you went into training, and then you've yeah. gone back into generalist HR. Yeah. yeah. So, so were you clear that you wanted to go into it? Because one of the things that people say when you see these groups, they don't know how to get into HR, getting that first foothold. And actually, HR mm. admin is quite a good way in. But yeah, then you've definitely. gone, you went sort of into training, which again is how do you get into training? Generally, you'd go from a, an aligned role. Um, I mean, did you know that that was was your when you went into an HR? Did you just take a job as an HR administrator, um, or did you know you wanted to go into HR and that was a sort of strategic move to get in there? What was did you have a strategy at the time, or was this more yeah. about actually this isn't quite right and where do I go next? No, so when I was at Sainsbury's, I, I I'd done quite a lot of training work, but I also the last position I had was as a a personnel assistant there, working uh, mainly on starters and leavers and things like that, some really quite sort of low level work. Um, and when I left university, there was this kind of realisation that I've spent three years studying, came out with a good degree, and then I actually realised I still needed to complete the start at the bottom because I didn't have my CIPD and I didn't have the experience. So as in this kind of catch-22, I needed to start somewhere. So that's why I went into starting at the bottom in terms of a HR career into a HR admin and quickly realised that probably not in that role but in order for me to progress I needed to move companies and needed to go and work for different organizations experience different cultures different ways of working find out how to do it but also more importantly how not to do it 
Um, and, and that's why I only, certainly in the early days, I only really stayed in roles for probably 18 months, which in some, we can look at it in two ways. But for me, I was always getting promoted as, as I moved on. Yeah. Um, and, and I think I, what, what I tend to find is you don't tend to have lots of people who are HR and training. Um, you tend to find that they're yeah. different breeds a little bit. I agree. I was thinking that, I was, I'm in the training camp, although from the an outsider, it's a kind of HR, but it's really not at all. I, yeah. I, I, think, it's, I think it's far easier being in learning development. You're talking to people, you have all the hard stuff in HR, that's the way I see yeah. it. Um, so yes, yeah, so, yes, it is quite unusual to see. I mean, I think there are different animals across HR as well. Generally, mm-hmm. I think about things like recruitment. I feel there's more of that's a salesy different. type. That's a different yeah. role, isn't it? And reward. Uh, yeah, there's, there's definitely different different skill sets within within that HR banner. Yeah, so you're really fortunate to manage to make those jumps around mm-hmm. um, and 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 be able to. You know, I mean, would you have you got any tips for that? Being able to, because you obviously must be very good at spotting roles, good at selling yourself, I guess, as to why you're the right person for those roles any tips for people who are trying to get that semi-sideways role move I think you have you have to take a risk um and and uh, and I think that you never know what you're going to sometimes it's the right decision sometimes it it might not it might not be the right decision or the right company for you but unless you try it you're never going to know um I think it's really easy to get complacent in what you're doing and actually feel comfortable in the role that you're doing but and, and wait for an opportunity to come your way. So wait for somebody to leave, or wait for wait for the business to actually develop you. But that's you've got to go out and grab it yourself. Um, which I, you know, I appreciate in the market at the moment that that's a bit more difficult. But there are roles out there, and I think if you truly, I, I think I always knew that I wanted to get to that HR manager level. That, and I've kind of just done stepping stones to get there. And I think for me, actually having the training background as well has meant that I can do a lot more and think a lot different or, or think in a, a slightly different way to how I, how I deal with HR. Um, I've got some people in my team at the moment who training just isn't their bag at all and they'll openly admit that. But actually, if you're able to do both, that makes you quite a valuable HR person, particularly if you're going into a smaller business where they, they can't afford to have you know two different people doing the role so if you can do that and I think probably the the work that I did at the airport so that that standalone HR manager role you just had to roll your sleeves up and get stuck into everything and for me almost just put on this persona that I wouldn't necessarily say I was the most confident person I've had to I've had to work on that over the years and it's almost right today I'm going to be a trainer this is what I'm going to do I'm going to put my training hat on this is different Julia and I've got be confident and and actually own the training that you're doing and the delivery that you're doing um I like that Julie because say with that a bit so you the word you said is sorry the line's not brilliant it was confident wasn't it you say not competent mm. was got your confident because I think confident. that's one of the things so you're, you're saying you almost coached yourself to be confident go come on Julia I'm going to put my training hat on I'm going to do it because I think Absolutely. I do see people hold themselves back um sometimes and it is the confidence piece Definitely. that's the issue and, and exactly the same where I've gone into the consultancy business as well, that, you know, b- before, if, you know, if I think back to April, I hardly posted anything on social media. I didn't want to put myself out there because I had this fear almost that people would think, well, why is she doing that? You know, it's, but you've just got to get over that. So now I've got a different hat, which is Julia, the HR consultant, that 
actually, I do know what I'm talking about. I've been doing HR for, for a long time now, and I just need to portray that and just actually stop caring so much what people think. Yeah. Um, and, you know, for example, I, I post quite a lot on LinkedIn. If people don't like it, they, they don't have to read it. <laughs> exactly. They can scroll on. Yeah, absolutely. So it, a lot of it is about confidence. And I think... The Ignore the imposter. Exactly. And the real skills, I think, for HR people is, you know, this is, it's not trying to be dismissive of everything you learn doing your, your qualifications and that. But actually, that's something you can just learn. You know, you could learn how to do a disciplinary hearing. You can learn about sickness, absence and things like that. But it's more, the, I think the bit you need to work on is how you interact with people, how you make yourself personable and that confidence that you're the expert. You know what you're talking about. You just need to portray that. Good for you. I think that's, I think that's a really great message to put across, actually, um, for people. And, and and it's all about our self-talk. It's, let's, you know, be an expert, be the expert and and um, have confidence in ourselves and belief in ourselves. And yeah, I, I, I see that's a lot. Now, I mean, where you're, what we're talking about there and this one of the questions we were we were posing to you is, you know, what you've learned here. And that does suggest that these are that's one of the things I guess you've realised that you, mm. you have to just be your own coach, be confident. What else would you say that you've um, learnt over the years? I think I have, I think in HR, you have to toughen up. Um, I know when I first started my career going back to Tesco's where um, having to do my first, my first absence review meeting, I think it was called, it was horrible. It was absolutely horrible. And I felt physically sick having to do it because you know, the person was genuinely ill. They, you know, it wasn't their fault, but actually it's moving it much more away from that. And you're there to to help the business, but also help the employee. They're there to do a job at the end of the day and you need to manage them if they're not. It's got nothing to actually do with the, with the, with the sickness and why they're off. So I think the things you have to actually deal with in HR can be really quite horrible at times you know you have to support managers through through everything they have to deal with but that sticks with you that's the things that you take home when you finish work at the end of the day so you do need to toughen up and and by toughen up I don't mean that that's not saying you don't care but it's just you've got to toughen up otherwise you're never going to be able to make it in HR because you need that resilience otherwise you've just got all of this baggage everybody's baggage in the organization that you just take home with you. Yeah, and considering it's a kind of people profession, actually, if you are very, very people oriented, it it can be really quite tough if you don't mm. find that resilience content. Definitely, and and I, I think it's also talking about the people that again, if I think back to some of the early interviews that I did of you know why did you want this job, and I'd say oh I really like working with people, and actually people can be really annoying at times and really irritating and frustration. So I don't actually think that's why I work in HR. I think it's, I love, and I do genuinely love the problem solving part of it, that actually that people are really complex and you can take a straightforward process and think you're going to go from A to B, but then you put a person in the middle of it and you go all around the alphabet because you just don't know how they're going to react. Yeah. And that's the bit that I think makes it challenging, uh, constantly challenging and exciting. Not linear in that respect. No, yes. not at all. That's interesting. Yeah, I think I can see why why you're um because not everybody in HR would feel that same way. And I can see why yeah. also you're a bit in training, because I think that that's a bit more of a, a you know, going around the houses is probably something yeah. that's more naturally <laughs> comfortable with people who are in a training piece. 
So if you were to go back 20 years, would you do it the same or would you change anything? I would still work in HR. I know I'd still work in HR. Um, I think I would make sure that I work with people who share my values um, because I think that's really important. And I think that's partly why I want to do the the consultancy side as well, that I want to be able to work with small businesses where I know I can make a difference, but also work with people that that do share my values. Um, I think I think you. What else would I do? That's a very good question. <laughs> um, I think I probably I think the public working in public sector has been has been brilliant for me from being able to move into different jobs within within the same business. Um, it's given me a lot of flexibility and I've, I've learned so much from doing it. So I think I don't think I would change that. Um, you know, it's been perfect to, to be able to progress my career whilst also bringing up family. Um, so on, so your, that, on, yeah. your pub, on your public sector thing then, because people have a perception about working in public sector that sometimes um, it's quite hard to make change and it, and you know to, to make a difference in some areas because of the, you know, it's very embedded in their large organisations to to adjust or to change um and you said one of the things you like is sort of making a difference and um in that is that compatible then or would you say you're just the organization that you're in is particularly a good fit for you would you is it, it or is that just an unfair perception about you know is it problem solving i can see you've got lots of challenges to overcome but people mm-hmm. sometimes feel in public sector that they can't make that difference because they can't change things or is just that is that a mindset issue I think it's probably a mindset issue. I think that there is still a lot of bureaucracy um, and and it's it's a lot less reactive. Um, is, I, I, I think that it, public sector has definitely moved on over the, probably the last probably the last five years, certainly for the organizations I work with, and what's happened with COVID is as fast forward fast forwarded what they've had to do and the way that they think and the way that they're managing their employees it's just it's sort of taken that forward probably another five years um so actually I think at the moment it's some really exciting times with what needs what 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 they want to be looking at now going forward and what their future strategies look like it's still challenging mainly from a budget point of view uh, very challenging yeah but I, I think our pub our is the public sector going to be massively forward thinking in terms of what it's going to do? No, I don't think it is. Um, but it brings with it other, there's other advantages with it as well though. So with that at the moment, so you've got one foot in your public sector camp and one foot in um, your independent camp. Is that sort of your optimum way of working? As I say, it sounds like quite a nice, you've got SME then and public sector. It's quite, or how does that work? Or do you feel torn? How's the balance? I think it's a it's a good balance at the moment. I think it's um it's it's enabling me to still stay working with the organisations that that I I enjoy working with that I know I'm starting to make a difference with them. But on the flip side, I I'm, I'm working with a um, a small business at the moment that that needs needs a lot of HR support, and I know every single time that I'm work, that I'm working for them, I'm making their lives easier. I'm actually making a difference to what they're doing, making it simpler and just making sure or helping, should I say, the CEO sleep at night. <laughs> and that's, that's, that's a really great thing to be doing. Definitely. Yeah, headaches. Uh, small businesses have enough headaches, particularly in this mm. climate, without having people headaches as well. So you're right Definitely. about that. 
definitely. So yeah, I'm loving that side of it. So in terms of your, um, I mean, I've noticed that you've got quite a theme about learning and growth through your, um, you know, you've you've challenged yourself to take on extra, um, mentioned we touched on it earlier. Would you say that's been an important part of your um, being, you know, your career, uh, the IPD, and also you're going on doing masters and stuff? Definitely. I think, I wouldn't say I was like a serial learner. Um, I kind of get to the point that, um, that, I thought, right, I finished something, think, right, I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to do anymore. And then I, and I start getting a bit itchy and start thinking, oh, I need to challenge myself. And I, I, think, I think I'm always going to be somebody that, that wants to learn new things or, or find creative ways to do things and do research on what's work, you know, or, or not necessarily best practice, but what's, what's happening in other organisations out there and then see what I can apply to what I'm doing now. Um, so yeah I think I don't know what I'm going to do next whether it's a qualification or whatever that may be but I think actually going back doing the HR consultancy is making me relearn quite a lot of the the HR side that I haven't touched for years um so that's actually really exciting at the moment (laughs) yeah going and go back to going getting rolling sleeves up and knowing the sort of stuff that you've probably been delegating for a while haven't you so absolutely there's some things I think oh I've got to do this myself (laughs) Are there any regrets? Is there anything you change? Probably not, actually. Um, I think I've I have enjoyed what I've I've been doing. I think I possibly would have done the hate the consultancy side earlier. I think it's something I've wanted to do for a long time. Um, and it's not necessarily move, you know, moving full time to it or anything like that. It's just doing something else that I know balances out what I do with work. Um, it's 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 just a very different role to to my head of HR role. Um, it's quite enlightened. As I mean, if you're head of HR, did you have to go and get permission? I think it's very enlightened of yeah. your current employer to allow you to hmm. work three days a week there and be a consultant two days a week. And you've been doing this for a while, so that's quite impressive. How, how did you negotiate that balance? Because it gives you security and the opportunity, I suppose, to to set Absolutely. up your own business. It's a perfect opportunity, and I think it's. Um, you know I've, I've been I've, I've been with with my my council for uh I, I originally started 14 years ago so I've worked with them a long time um I think it's it's one of those that I had a conversation that I want to do I want to do something where I know I can give something back um and at the same time I, was, I wasn't working full-time anyway so it was only a slight uh, you know a slight more reduction in hours and I've also the, the other reason I can do it is because I've got a great team under me that that they they enable me to be able to only work three days a week for them it's busy it's busy in those three days yeah um but yeah they've they've been brilliant as employers to to let me do that yeah that's great and, and but then you know it's interesting it is enlightened um mm. because actually you might have just made the big jump you might have said a little a year yeah. longer and then gone all together so there's the best of both worlds everybody benefits from that in many Definitely. ways but lots of employers wouldn't wouldn't consider it yeah. and obviously they must value you to to uh want to allow you to do that so uh so that's great so any tips for um someone who's just starting out in hr now i would say um if you're starting out in hr if you can try and work in some sort of team environment because i think you can learn a lot more in those early days if you've got people around you to go into a standalone role or or very very small hr department you you won't necessarily get the learnings you'll get loads of exposure which is great but it's there's something really 
comforting, I think, having that team around you. Um, and you know, whatever I say, whenever I we bring someone into the team, I say use and abuse the knowledge around you because we've actually got a really experienced team that have have seen and done pretty much everything. Or if they haven't, they know how to approach it. I think you do. I think you need to take risks. I think you need to almost, and it's difficult starting out, but you need to very much think with the customer in mind rather than what your your employment law book said. That you need you need to be able to know what the law is and know how to interpret it and know how to be pragmatic with it as well. Um, because I think as businesses get smaller and smaller or their budgets get smaller, they haven't got that flex in them anymore that they can't afford to carry people. So they need to be dealing with things as and when they happen. Um, and they don't want a HR person that says, oh, no, you can't do that. No, you can't. I've got a bit here. You can't do that. They want people to give pragmatic advice that helps them run their business. Yeah, be more can do is a problem. They're actually a problem Definitely. solving point, isn't it? Think about how you can. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Great. Julia, I think that's that was just a, a really fantastic, inspiring um yeah, whistle stop tour through, but really um great way to think about how we can progress and lots of really good tips for people in terms of you know learning, problem solving, building your own confidence, um, okay. yeah, being your own advocate, being you know, challenging your employer to allow you to work flexibly so that everybody gets the best of both worlds. Um, I think that it's really inspiring for people to hear that that's what you've achieved and wish you lots of success for the future. Have you, you um if people want to connect with you, do you want to just share how they can get hold of you? Obviously it's Julia Crawford on LinkedIn that I'm looking yeah. at here. Um, are you on any other social media channels Channels, and are you open to connections? Yeah, absolutely open to connections. Uh, LinkedIn is probably the main one. Um, I've got my website, which is just uh, peoplepillar.co.uk or I've got peoplepillar on Facebook as well. Fantastic. Brilliant. Julia, thank you so much for joining us on the HR Uprising. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for listening to the HR Uprising. Proudly brought to you by Actor Software, the joined-up performance and talent management solution. You can access links to any of the information or resources mentioned in the show via the podcast page at www.hruprising.com. If you like what we do, please subscribe, tell your colleagues and leave a review. Thank you for listening to the HR Uprising. 